Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Religion, religion, I'm not a big fan of religion because religion does is it tries to squeeze you into a mold. It tries to pressure you and make you something that conforms to, you know, their image. But God, what he does is he gets inside you. His word gets in you and he transforms you. He transforms you from the inside out. I like God's way. Do you like God's way? I think it's a good thing. Hallelujah. You know, Dana turned 29 yesterday. Do you guys know that? She looks pretty good for 29, huh? 29. Her, her spiritual birthday was, was yesterday. She's been saved for 29 years now. And, and um, she was just sharing last night, you know, how, how you, we can never forget where we came from. You know, we don't dwell on that, but I tell you what, we're just, we thank God that he's delivered us, that he's brought us, you know, to a new place. And, I, you know, he, he's so good. He's fresh every day. He's fresh. His mercy's new every day. I tell you, it's never boring walking with God. Did you ever get lied to before you got saved, before you're a Christian? This lie, I mean, this is what came in my head, is if you ever got saved, you know, your days of fun were over. You know, if you ever got saved, I mean, all you'd do is walk around humming hymns all day. You know, if you ever got saved, I mean, you'd start liking accordion music or something like that. You know, I'm just, you know, that's what I thought. But my goodness, you get saved, you know, and the creator of the universe, man, he, he, he's living in you. Your creator, he knows how to satisfy you. He knows how to take you to the next level. He knows how to make life an adventure. You'll never regret living for him and giving 100%, you know, for the gospel. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we've been talking, when, I, when I've been preaching, I've been on this series for a couple weeks, and uh, we've been talking about something that's called the authority of the believer. I remember, you know, 30, 34 years ago, I got saved 34 years ago. I'm five years older than Dana. But uh, um, when I got born again, I, I remember getting into this. I read a book by Kenneth E. Hagin, and it was called The Authority of the Believer. <laughs> and I read that book, and I said, wow, wow, that is the truth. I, I didn't know much. You know, I was a brand-new Christian. I didn't know a whole lot. But you know what? I had the Holy Ghost living in me. I had the Spirit of God in me. And I tell you what, that's a good place to be. You know, to be born again and have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you, he'll steer you straight. He'll keep you on track. And I remember reading that and I just said, wow, that's the truth. And, and, and uh, I, I was just thinking about that here a few months ago and I thought, man, some of those things in the early days that just lit my candle, we're going to dig into them again. You know, the authority of the belief. The devil hates you hearing that you have authority. He hates you hearing that you have authority. Uh, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll, we'll, we'll get on track here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. We'll start there. It says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 
And, and check this out here. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. A couple other versions, I'll read them. It says, keep a clear head and, and watch. Another one says, be composed, be on your guard, because your, adver your, your adversary, the accuser, I like that he calls them that, because that's what the devil does. Another one says that the devil is prowling about, eager to devour. Another one says, be calm and alert. You know, your opponent is the devil. And the Jordan version, I like this, it says, sober up now and get with it. That old roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, is stalking about looking for someone to gobble up. Put steel in your faith and stand up to him. So in the King James, it says, you know, your adversary, the devil, is walking about like a roaring lion looking for someone, you know, to devour or gobble up, whatever version you're reading. You know, and, uh, you know, I like to say this when I read that, is that I am not someone that he is going to be able to gobble up. I'm not someone that he's going to devour. He's looking for someone who that he, that he can devour, but I'm going to say this, that I'm not someone he can devour. Do you want to say that too? Let's say that. Say, I'm not, I'm not somebody, somebody that the devil, that the devil can, devour. can devour. You see, the thing is, is that you've been given authority. You've been given authority to stand against all the wiles of the devil. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't a devil, you know, but it does mean that you have authority and you don't have to put up with his shenanigans. You can take a stand. Kenneth Hagin uh, tells this story that when he was a young pastor, he began to have some alarming symptoms in his body. Now, this is a guy that knew death, you know, because as, you know, a young, you know, actually, as a, when he was born into the world, he weighed less than two pounds, had an incurable blood disease, had gone to, had a doctor from the Mayo Clinic that had examined him, and they, they didn't give him a chance to survive past 16, 17 years old. When he was that age, he was, he was para, partially paralyzed and bedfast, and, and he got born again. And I'm really cutting this story short, but you've probably heard it or you can read it. I'll tell you a book you can read it in. But he, he, he got born again. And, and he had nothing to do. He didn't get healed the minute he got born again. But he studied the Bible and he began to get a hold of faith. And, and there, you know, in that bed of affliction, born again, reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, whatever that has to do. You know what the Methodist Bible's like? I'm just saying it the way he says it. It's like your Bible, okay? You know, I remember when we were over in, um, where were we, Dana? Where'd we go? Did we go to Switzerland? Yeah, we went to Switzerland. We were over in Switzerland a number of years ago, and we were there on an evangelical, ev ev evangelistic outreach. And, and we were down in the southern part of that country, and it's beautiful down there. I tell you what, we were right on this border that you could look over into Italy, and, and I say all that because it was a heavily, heavily populated, you know, with, with Catholic, okay? A lot of Catholic, you know, brothers and sisters. And some of them are, are born again, some of them aren't. But I, I made this point of going up to them and I'd, you know, I'd see these young people sitting around, you know, in the park. 
And, and I love this stuff. I love it. You know, I'm like on a mission. And I'd go up to them and I'd say, hey, you know, I'd give them, I'd give them some lines. You know, I'd say, hey, you know, I'm from America here visiting this beautiful country, you know. And I'd say, do you know, do you, know uh, do you believe in Jesus? You know, and they'd say, yeah, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Because most people believe in Jesus. Who knows what they believe, but they believe something. So I'd say, do you believe in Jesus? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd say, well, that's great. Do you believe he's the son of God, that he died on Good Friday and rose again on Easter? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd, then this is what I'd tell them. You know, remember I'm talking about, you know, Methodist Bibles and Catholic Bibles. I'd say, did you know that it says in the Catholic Bible that if you'll just pray, you know, according to what you just said you believe, that, you know, you'll know for sure you're going to heaven. They'd go, really? Well, you know what? When you're out there talking to people, you're not trying to build walls. You're trying to tear down walls. You're trying to, trying to find that point of connection. So I'd say, yeah, it's right in the Catholic Bible. And I've got a bunch of Catholic Bibles. You know, I've got a, I've got a you know me, I, I'd collect Bibles, you know. But, uh, but I'd use that, and, and it was great. I, I get to pray with a lot of different people. You know, I can't remember how many we even prayed with on that trip. Over 100. And they got born again. They got born again. So anyway, Brother Hagin got saved reading Grandma's Methodist Bible. And he got healed reading that same Bible. So he's a, he's a young man. And he's a pastor. And he said he began to have some alarming symptoms in his body. And he said this. He says, I didn't tell anybody. He said, but I pressed into God. And I got in the word and I began to meditate on Jesus is my healer. And he said, one night I had a dream. And in that dream, he said, I was on this, this parade ground. And he said, I was there with another guy. And we're, we're standing in the middle of this parade ground when all of a sudden these ferocious lions appeared on the scene and they began to chase us. I hate that. You ever had that kind of dream? I hate those dreams. Dana, you know, wake me up if I'm ever having that dream, right? Yeah, but, but so Brother Hagin starts running, and this other guy that he's with, they start running like crazy, trying to get away from these ferocious lions. And, and all of a sudden, the thought hit him is that there's no way you can outrun these lions. So he stopped right there in his tracks. And the other guy with him said, what are you doing? You know, you can't, we, we're going to get eaten. He says, we can't outrun these things. And they, they came up to him, and he said in his dream, he was just trembling with fear. But he sat there in his dream, and he said, in the name of Jesus, I resist you. I resist you in Jesus' name. And he says those lions, they came up to him, and they looked terribly frightening. But they began to sniff him. They looked him all over, and they went and laid down. He woke up. He said, I woke up from that dream and instantly I knew what I had to do. So he stood up in faith and he said, in the name of Jesus, I, I command this sickness. I resist you. I command you to leave me now in Jesus' name. And you know what? Instantly healed. Instantly healed. I'll tell you something. Authority has been given to you over all the power of the devil. But having that authority brings great responsibility. Many times, 
people might even think, well, I've got authority, but they, they, they still keep running. <laughs> or they say, you know, in their minds, they say, well, if it's God's will, he'll deliver me. You know what happens with that? They get devoured. Those are the very people that the devil, like a roaring lion, gobbles up. You and I are not going to be those people. You and I are going to be the people that stand up, whatever it is that's coming against you, whatever it is in life that's trying to devour you, we're going to stand up and say, no, in Jesus' name, I'll not be devoured. In Jesus' name, I resist you. You have to go. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That sometimes when you say that, instantly you got the victory in the natural. But sometimes when you say that, I'm telling you what, you've got to stand in faith. How many know that? This is where people miss it though. They get the idea that, well, I said it once. It's, it should, well, you, if you've said it once, it is done. Don't get me wrong. But some people think if I've said it once, it should have changed by now. And then when it didn't change, like in their physical eyes immediately, they give up and they throw in the towel. You know what? Victory belongs to you. Victory belongs to you. This authority that we're talking about, it's yours. It's yours to use. One way to exercise that authority is in the name of Jesus. Using, I tell you what, be frank with you. Probably the way I use it the most is in the name of Jesus. You know, we'll probably in this teaching talk about some other things that you can do. But, but man, if you got a key that works, thank God. You know, I, I got one key. Well, Dana's got a key and I got a key to the car. But I always use my key. Even though Dana's got a key and it works just as well. I always use my key. I kind of like it. I got this little fish on the, the keychain. It's cool. I like it. So I use my key. Well, one key I use to resist the devil is the name of Jesus. That name has power. When that name is spoken, I'm telling you what, whatever you see with your natural eyes, know this. Spiritually, all of heaven, all of hell comes to attention when you use the name of Jesus. All right. I am so far off my notes, I have no idea. But that's okay. <laughs> Ephesians. You know, it really came to me. We're talking about authority. What came to me this week, and I told Dana, but I don't always tell her what I'm going to preach, but, but I remember do, I did share this with her this week, is I was seeing three different views of the cross. Now, I've taught on different views of the cross before, but these are the views of the cross that I was seeing. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he received revelation from heaven. You know, he had an experiences where in his seeking the Lord that God showed him some things. Thank God for what the Apostle Paul has shared with us about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You know, he gave us, he took and he pulled back the veil and showed us things that we wouldn't have known if we didn't read his writings. And there's three different glimpses, you know, that he gives in Ephesians, 2 Corinthians, and Colossians. And these are the three views of the cross that, that I, I felt prompted to share with you this morning. 
In Ephesians 1, we've talked some about this, but there's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians 1, starting at verse 15. We'll jump in at 17 this morning. The first couple of verses are just telling him that he's going to pray. But then in verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you'd know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. I like the footnote of my Bible. It says, instead of saying to usward who believe, it says in us who believe. I'm going to tell you this, you've got exceeding great power in you if you're a believer today. There's power in you. You're saying, say that, say, I got power in me. See, it's in you. It's in you. That power is in you. You know, it's not just the pizza you ate yesterday. You know, it's power. There's power in you. Hallelujah. There's more. There's enough power in you to get through anything you're facing today. You know, the devil, one of the ways that he works is he lies and he deceives and he builds mountains out of molehills. He's a master of it. And he tries to make it look like the situation that you're in is, is, is just unmovable. It's unshakable. There's no way, any way that you can get through this. I'm here to tell you today, you got enough power in you to get through any situation you're facing. you got to use it, though. You've got to use it. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be a shame if when we got to heaven, you know, then we realized that we had the power we needed on the earth. Thank God there's coming a day when we're going to get to heaven, and that'll not be a letdown in any way, shape, form, or anything. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is where we're going to be. We're, I tell you, we are going to party like there's no tomorrow, because there won't be. <laughs> but right now, you're living on the earth. Right now, you're here on the earth, and God cares about you right now, and God has provided for you right now. He isn't going to wait till you get to heaven to provide for you here on the earth. He's provided for you already, and it'd be a shame to get to heaven and realize, man, I had the power there, and I never used it. Ouch. Could have had a V8. Man, ow. All right, well, Paul talks about this power that's in us, and he said this, it's the same power that, he wrought, that God wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only this world, but also that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And then in chapter 2, he goes on and he says, And you, say, and me. Say, I'm included in this. That was really weak. Um, say, I'm included in this. So Paul's telling these people at Ephesians, and he's telling us today, he says, man, I saw something. Man, the, the veil was pulled back. I saw what happened when Jesus died on the cross. I saw what happened, you know, in the time that, that he was, 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 was between the time of the cross and the time of the throne. And I saw when he rocketed out of hell and was raised from the dead. He said, I saw it was tremendous power. It was earth-shaking power. It was greater power than any, any kind of force you could imagine in heaven, earth, or under the earth. And he says, that's the kind of power you got in you. He says, it's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it says, and you too. 
And you too, you were quickened just like Jesus was quickened. I love the and you gospel. Paul preaches the and you gospel to these people at Ephesians. He tells them how great this, this, this event was that raised Jesus from the dead. And he says, man, I got to tell you, the same power that did it is in you and you. You were there too. God raised you up too. You've been set free. You've been given authority. It says in verse 6 of Ephesians 2, we'll just jump to that. Um, it's all good, but I'm just going to read this to you. It says, and, and you too, as he raised up together with Christ, and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. I kind of messed the wording on that up. He says, he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So what Paul said is he said, I saw it, man. I saw this. He had a different view from the, the Roman soldiers that were there at the cross of Christ. He had a different view from the mother of Mary, although she was there and she saw things too. But Paul said, I saw this stuff. Jesus showed me this stuff in the spirit. And he said, man, he rocketed Jesus, you know, out of the, the, the place of suffering. And he rose him up from the dead. And, and when God did that, you and I were raised up too. We've been given life. We've been given power. We've been given authority. So this is what Paul said to those Ephesians. Are they a wild bunch or what? And in Luke 10, we read this last week, or the last time I preached, it said, uh, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Uh, I, I said this two weeks ago that a better way to read this, and I think the American Standard Bible, New American Standard Bible says it this way, it says, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be any, by any means hurt you. I want to just tell you something. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. i got to ask you a question. Do you have any less authority today than the disciples had when Jesus said it to them. If you, that's correct. You don't have any less. If you had less authority today than when Jesus said that to the disciples, then Jesus died and was buried and rose again for nothing. Because he said that to the disciples. He gave them use of this. You know, it's kind of like a spillover thing. See, there was a new age coming. It's called the church age. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, he knew what he was here to do. He was here to, to become our substitute and to pay the price and make the way for the church age, for the, for the new birth. And he, he, he walked around on this earth, man, like, like uh, nobody had since Adam did in the garden. He walked around on the earth and these guys that were with him, he let them sample powers from the next dispensation. Is that wild? You and I have authority. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at the Corinthian view of the cross. I don't know, you think I can do this in 15 minutes? We'll see. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul again talking about this, this mystery He's talking about what was shown him about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and how it affected you and I. And the thing he, 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 he says here in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Do you know that's talking about you? Say, that's talking about me. You see, when you got born again, for Dana, it was 29 years ago yesterday in a dress shop in Door County. For me, it was 34 years ago, you know, at this meeting at the State Fairground in Minneapolis, in St. Paul. You know, wherever you were, you might have been watching TV. Jesse DePlanis was in the bathroom and the TV was on in the hotel room and Billy Graham was preaching and he got born again in the bathroom. That's Jesse DePlanis. But wherever you were, when you got born again... Some people don't even know where they were. Some people have grown up in the church and they just walked right into, you know, there came an age where they were aware of things and they just said, hey, that's for me. You know? Huh. <laughs> anyway, I could tell you. I'll tell you when Kara got born again, you know, I used to put her to bed at night and I'd say, Kara, when she was about two and a half, I said, hey, do you want to pray and ask Jesus in your heart because she's a good church girl, been grown up and hearing stuff and tell, we've been telling her things and I knew she knew enough to know about Jesus. I said, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? And she said, no. Didn't say anymore. I said, I walk away and I'm devastated. I, I, I smiled real nice. Good night, Kara. We love you. <laughs> Shut the door. I go in, Dana, Dana, Dana. She didn't want to pray and ask Jesus in her heart. Dana, huh? what if we failed as parents? Oh, no. And, you know, I, I just mustered up the courage. Another week goes by, and I go, Kara, Kara, you want to pray and ask Jesus in your heart? No. <laughs> okay, honey. <laughs> Tina, oh, oh, oh. You know, so I go on like that for a number of times, and finally I go to Kara, and, and she says, I say the same thing again, you know, sometime later. I said, you want to ask Jesus in your heart? And she says, no. And I finally had the, the common sense. I guess the Holy Ghost kind of spoke to me, and he said, so I said, Kara, why, why is that? She says, oh, I already did that. <laughs> Wherever you were, though, when you got born again, you became a new creature. You became a brand new person on the inside. You see, friends, the real you is a spirit being. The real you is not this body that we see and, you know, we pay so much attention to the real you is the person on the inside paul said it in first thessalonians 5 23 he said i pray god your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our lord your whole spirit soul and body you are a spirit you have a soul and you live in a body when you get born again your spirit gets absolutely completely changed you become a new creature is what paul said your soul which is your mind your will and your emotions you know it it doesn't change that's a process the new birth is instant becoming a new creature is instant instantly you become a child of god instantly you become the righteousness of god in christ jesus you become so righteous when you get born again that you're not going to have to change when you get to heaven but your soul is a work in progress say amen or oh me or whatever but but you know what what is what does that mean what are you talking about while well, your soul is the way you think your soul is, is your perception of life and your perception of you. And that is, 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 is something that is in a process of changing. What, what, here's the ideal, 
is that you get born again. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're raised from the dead. Come into my life. You're born again. And there's like, I think there's like a burst that comes in there all of a sudden. At least with me, it was like, Ooh, I'm a child of God. God loves me. Huh. That's the first little burst. But then what it is, is it's a continual thing of getting your head to think like your heart. To get your head to think the way God thinks. And you see, when you get your spirit and your head in agreement, your spirit and your soul in agreement, it creates some tremendous power. There's a story I, man, I'm not prepared on this one. I think it's Matthew 13.33. If anybody, it's one of the Gospels, and it is a 13.33. And I'm going to guess it's Matthew, and I could be wrong, so I'm just warning you. But Jesus said this. I can almost quote it. I just don't know. You ever do that? You, you know what it says, but you can't remember the verse? Jerry Lucas was a basketball player for the New York Knicks. And he had memorized the entire New Testament. And he was on this program. This is, this is going to really date it. He was on a program called the $64,000 question. Anybody ever remember that? He was on that, and it was a show just like all the other shows. And, and you'd go in stages, you know, and you get to the very last thing, and you could win the jackpot, which was $64,000. And his, he, he got to pick the topic. He had memorized the entire New Testament, so he picked New Testament. Good, good thinking. The last question, he missed it because he didn't know the verse. But he'd memorized the whole New Testament. He just didn't remember it. memorize it in chapters and verses. He just had it down word for word. He could start, quote the whole thing. I, I saw he came to Ramah when I was there, and he taught us uh, Bible memory. <laughs> and just in an hour, he taught us how to, be, how to memorize, like I think it was the fourth chapter of Revelation. It was great. But did anybody look it up? Did I miss it? You don't know what I was going to tell you. Is there a Matthew 13, 33? Well, at least I'm there that much, huh? Well, Jesus is talking in the place I'm thinking of. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. Is that it? $64,000? Yeah. Who? <laughs> he says, I'll just read it. Another parable he spoke unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. You know, this is the only place in the Bible that leaven is used to describe the kingdom of heaven. Usually, leaven is used to describe sin. But Jesus here said the kingdom of heaven, it's a parable. He says, it's like leaven, which a woman took and she hid in three measures of meal till the whole lump was leavened. Oh, I, till the whole was leavened. I threw that word lump in there. Um, <laughs> kingdom business. You get the kingdom in your spirit. God's plan for you and his plan for me is that you get that in your heart and that you get it mixed, kneaded through the whole lump of meal until the whole is leavened. Mm -hmm. What he wants is you to be kingdom-minded. What he wants is you to be kingdom-acting. Like Dana said, dippity-doo. Dip in your heart and then do it. All right? That's God's plan for you is to be completely changed by the power of the gospel. Now, here's the good news. You get born again. You can go to heaven with a stinking head. 
That didn't come out good. You can go to heaven with an unrenewed mind, okay? If you get born again, your spirit's made new, you're a new creature in Christ, that's the deal is sealed, all right? But the victory that you walk in here on the earth is going to be dependent on how much you get your head and your heart lined up. The authority that you walk in here on the earth is going to depend on getting these things going on the same, same wavelength. Many people are defeated in life. I'm going to just tell you something. The devil's running a lot of things here on the earth, but he's not running me. And he's not running the church. He's not running you. So just mark it down and live that way. Okay? All right. Praise God. All right. So you're a brand new creature. Man, we're so, we will never finish this today. I remember when I started pastoring here in Menominee at Liberty back in 2000. One of the great joys was, see, I'd been an associate pastor for 12 years. And you know what associate pastors, you know, they, they preach, and usually they preach on a Sunday, and then they don't preach again for a number of weeks or whatever. So you had to get it all in in one sermon. I said, praise God, it's great being the, the pastor here. Because if I don't finish, I'll just pick it up next week. <laughs> and you know that's how it goes. <laughs> Dave, you know that, don't you? He comes in this morning, he says, he looks at me and all he says is, part three. <laughs> yep, part three, part three. Well, here, let's read, let me read the rest of this portion of scripture that we were talking about. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, we read, it said, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses onto them, and he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. What is that? That's the Corinthian view that Paul shared with them of what happened to Jesus from the time he was on the cross till the time he was raised up from the dead. He said, guys, this is so amazing. God did a complete work. He did an amazing thing. There was tremendous power here. And what he did, man, there's so much power, it makes you a new creature as soon as you believe in it makes you brand new. You get changed on the inside. You get changed from the inside out. And here, it kind of goes like this. You know, God was, you know, Jesus was on the cross and, and he, he didn't go there to condemn man. He didn't go there to make you feel bad. He went there to take your trespasses. He went there to free you from sin. And it says that when, when he went there, he, the guy, the Jesus, he didn't know any sin of his own. But while he was on the cro cross, God made him to be our sin. He made him to be our sin. He was our substitute. 
He took our place. You know, it's the great exchange. And he took our sin and, and he dealt with it. Then in exchange, guys, here's the deal. We get to be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? It's reality. It's the truth. And because of that, you've got authority. The devil is defeated. He's under your feet because you're part of the body of Christ. Because of your place, because of what Jesus did. I guess I want to just end with this and say this. We don't have that kind of power in our own selves. We don't have authority because of who we are. All that we have, you know, and all that we can exercise is all because of Jesus. It's standing in His strength. It's standing in His authority. Here's a scripture that, that is in 1 John 4, verse 4. It basically, it says this, is that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. You've got the greater one living in you. The greater one living in you. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.